Pinverse Genius Episode 77, Fortnightly, Not All of Us Are Experts. In this episode, Don Dennis is joined by Bob Wyman to talk about TV shows and crafting with foam and all kinds of fun things. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio today, in- including on some new social things that I can't remember what they're called. Uh, but not on Mastodon because I can't get logged back in. Anyway, that's a that's a different issue entirely. So I would like to bring on one of my dear friends that I've met through podcasting, uh, Professor Bob Wyman. Hi. Hi, I, Bob. I gave you the link to Mastodon, so probably it's my fault that you can't get in anymore. Yeah, no, I've got nothing. Um, it's like I logged in. I had one day of being excited about Mastodon and then three days of frustration and and then one revelation of, you know, I don't have to care. So, <laughs> all right. So true. <laughs> um, and yeah, so no, I guess, how are you found on the internet? Should people care to find you? The easiest way to find me is, well, hmm, is, I've always said Twitter. Twitter, I'm uh, Bob Wyman. Uh, you can find me at Board Game Geek, although we don't do games here, uh, mm-hmm. as Scoliologist. Those are probably the best. I'm on tabledopsocial.social in Mastodon, so you can hunt me down there. I'm Scoliologist there. Hive, that's the one. That's the one that I'm on now as Wallsfield, as Hive. So we'll see if it uh, survives the great purging. Hooray! <laughs> uh, well, uh, we are fat and happy at post-Turkey Day. You've done your traveling. Uh, to visit family and have returned home, uh, conquering having conquered the holiday here in the United States. Yay! Uh, any any uh, any Turkey Day highlights? Uh, any Black Friday deals that people are going to be sad they missed? I that was. Kind of thing. Uh, it is. I was oblivious to Black Friday. I mean, not literally, but uh, did nothing with it. So I missed mm-hmm. out on all of the deals. You can tell me about them later if you like. Uh, I did get to see the um, World Cup game, U.S. versus England, and I was expecting England to blow us out, and they didn't, so good for the U.S. team. I think that they did really well. It's funny, even though I know that World Cup is soccer, it sounds like a drinking match, and once again, you would expect England to blow us out. But (laughs) uh, So much fun was had, and you enjoyed watching uh, the footy? Yeah. I had a great time. It's one of those things where um, it's, uh, you know, I played ages ago when I was in sort of middle school age mm-hmm. and earlier. So I'm, I know the most of anybody in the room sometimes. <laughs> nice. It, it was one of the many sports that my dad tried to uh, inflict on me in the hope that I would become something of a sports player. And when I realized just how much running around soccer required or how much absolute boredom there was, if you were the goalie panicked, uh, you know, except for punctuated by moments of panic, I realized that soccer was not for me. So, oh, oh, speaking of soccer, I saw a video not too long ago 
that says that America did not make up the term soccer. It was originally a British thing that yep. we took and they forgot. So it's not our fault. It's called soccer. Uh, and there we have it. It is our fault that we chose to call football football, which is yep. dumb. But, you know, that's a different issue. But no, soccer, uh, there was for a while, I think there still is, a Britishism of putting the er sound at the end of something. So their nickname for champagne is Champers. And right. the nickname for association football was soccer because it was because the they thing. shortened it and then they added er at the end and yep you, yep sounds like you watched the same video i did well uh, i mean i i knew about <laughs> it that, like that a while ago this was not an unknown fact like british people knew that it was named soccer and that they named it and they're usually proud of the fact that they invent things <laughs> so i think it's a little bit of a you know it's just we've adopted soccer and right. the rest of the world didn't call it. So before we get into what has gone before, um, I feel like I need to bring something to everybody's attention. And this has to do with the uh, the great holiday feasting, which has occurred. And and I, you may have seen my Facebook post about this, Bob, but I'm going to tell you that right now the secret spice that you are missing from your sweet potato casserole is, and now I can't remember what it is. It's gone. It's an Indian spice, and it starts with a C, and it's not coriander. <sighs> is it cardamom? I think you said cardamom. cardamom. I did. I said a cardamom. Uh, I had tried this previously, but apparently I hadn't ground it up fi- fine enough, so we had little bits of seed in it amongst our sweet potatoes, and so it wasn't a huge hit. But this year, uh, my wife and son are off visiting family and I was going over to a friend's house for Thanksgiving and the sweet potato casserole fell under my purview again. And so I ground up, used my mortar and pestle and got it ground up really fine because I've been grinding my own chai tea. Hooray. And that, uh, that it is amazing. It goes beautifully well in your mashed potato casserole and what to which you can also, if you like the whole orange flavor and the orange zest that you might put in there as well, you could also use Contro, which may have happened. I'm not going to say one way or the other. Um, or you can sub out the sweeteners for maple syrup because a maple syrup, sweet potato casserole, <sighs> it gets a little soupy if you use too much of it, but the flavor is amazing. And so you don't want to use the lightly refined, Maple syrup. You want to get as dark and as beautiful and as rich flavorful maple syrup as you can. And it adds happiness to your life. That sounds fantastic. My, uh, my wife's family does a sweet potato recipe. It's very orange forward. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't, it, it would go great with a little Cointreau added to it. It wouldn't say no to maple syrup, but, uh, Cardamom sounds like a very exciting spice to add on to this flavor profile. Now, I did not use the maple syrup and the cardamom at the same time. This year was a cardamom year. Previous years were a maple syrup year. I don't think they necessarily, they wouldn't necessarily clash with, clash with each other, but that they also aren't necessary to add, add to each other. But I've also, so you grind your own chai tea. Have you considered, you know, marketing this as, nope. you know, onboard tea, OBT? Uh, I've not because <laughs> the, the recipe has not settled into its final form yet. Uh, 
frequently it is, uh, you know, like, oh, okay, so I know cinnamon goes in it each time, usually. I know cardamom goes into it each time when I can remember the name of it. Oh, in fact, I couldn't find my cardamom pods. And so I looked up the spices, and they weren't there. I looked with, uh, you know, some of the other ingredients, that, you know, for our baking supplies, they weren't there. I was like, well, I know I've got to grind up pepper to go in my stuff, and our pepper grinder doesn't do it fine enough. So I got down the mortar and pestle, and guess what I found inside the mortar and pestle was my bag of cardamom seeds. <laughs> <laughs> because that's where it lives. And so, yep. Uh, but no, I, when if I ever do settle on a final on a final chai, then I will absolutely share it. But frequently if I get other chais from elsewhere in the world, what they are lacking is cardamom and I will add extra because, uh, uh I would mainline that stuff. <laughs> and I, and I understand that for some people it is, uh, it is their cilantro, right? One of my friends is like, Ooh, no cardamom is my cilantro. And I'm like, Nope. Cilantro is my cilantro. I love cardamom. I didn't realize that cilantro was a real uh, a genetic difference, that there's there's people who have a gene that makes cilantro in the soap, as far as they're concerned. Yes, that's me. That is me. In fact, I was, uh, when I, before I knew that this was a thing, uh, I, I actually returned salsa at a Mexican restaurant once because I said, you obviously didn't get these dishes rinsed off very well because everything tastes like soap. So oh. you need to get this out of here. And I apologize to that restaurant, which is probably not in business anymore, but uh, not because I turned back the salsa, I hope. <laughs> I was young. You never know. You, you're an influencer. You, you, oh, this is well before I had any influence whatsoever. So, <laughs> but you'd think they would have known that. You'd think they would have said, no, no, that's the cilantro. But the guy didn't speak English very well, and which is why it was otherwise a great Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Oh, so... Um, did you have any food explorations? Uh, let me think. We, I wouldn't say they're new to me, although there was a, a pumpkin spice cheesecake was one Ooh. of the desserts that was, it was really pretty good. And I'm not, I'm not one of those hooray. It's fall. I'm going out and get, getting my pumpkin spice stuff, but, uh, I think it did a good job of kind of it's rich and it's fluffy and it's got that pumpkin pie kind of uh, hit. It also feels a little bit like cheesecake. It kind of did did what it was supposed to do. So I am never one to seriously grief anyone about cheesecake, though I find people who do grief are not cheesecake. I would never grief anyone about cheesecake. I, I'm not one to grief anyone about pumpkin spice because... You know, I think it's hilarious that people do, and the fee- folks who give people who like pumpkin spice too hard of a time should be shamed for for gatekeeping. But pumpkin spice is basically just the American version of chai. <laughs> the, spice, the spice profiles are very similar. You can easily convert, you know, one to the other. It's like, oh, we're taking out uh, uh, cardamom and we're adding in nutmeg. And hey, guess what we've made? You've made pumpkin pie spice. Right, Dep- depending on who makes the spice and stuff. But uh, is the reason I had the Cointreau is because I was trying a new recipe for my cranberry soft sauce, and I put the Cointreau in that, and that was a gold star choice. So <laughs> if you have booze around the house, apparently you can cook with it. Who'd have thought? 
I, it, I'm reminded of, uh, I feel like it is the old happy days in Laverne and Shirley where the, the mothers would cook with, with cooking sherry and always got drunk at, by the end. That may not have happened. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, anyway. Uh, so, so you've got some stuff to talk about that we've previously discussed on the show before. Uh, yes. I want to, speaking of Eric, uh, Eric gives great recommendations. Everyone who hasn't been paying attention to Eric on this show, shame on you. Because I've been reading The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, which Eric recommended on a previous episode. Uh, and mm. it is delightful. It's exactly what you expect. It's uh, cute little old people in a retirement community trying to solve murders. And surprise, surprise, a murder happens in proximity to them, and they keep on trying to solve murders. It's great. Um, the I've been trying out uh, RenPy, which is the platform for making those uh, stilted conversations between anime characters at various games and things. Also known as visual novels. That's what I meant. Yes, those. <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> And it seems, I, I've just scratched the surface of it, it seems like it is fairly straightforward to put in a dialogue that you want to have happen, um, get information from a user if they're answering questions, sort of start a dialogue tree if that's what you want to do. Um, I don't have the graphic know-how yet, but I'm figuring I can borrow art for a little while until I figured out what to do. That's absolutely fair. Uh, I have a problem with whenever I'm playing a video game that has that visual novel aspect in it, I don't have the patience for the visual novel stuff. So I cannot imagine what it would be like to actually have to create one of those. Uh, but if you do have the patience, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Well, and my, I am thinking of doing it for educational purposes. I was thinking Ooh. that the, the idea of having a little conversation in that format with equations or graphs popping up in the back uh, behind the characters would be more interesting for students than watching a video of me doing it or, God forbid, coming to class and watching me do it there. Right. Oh, that's fair. And, and so that's that's interesting. We are looking at creating some technical instructional stuff at the library because of our laser cutters. And I don't think necessarily that a Renpy or Renpy is the way to do that for what we're trying to get. But the idea, I think, of instructors being able to create their own resources or find even their own resources if YouTube has a thing or whatever it is that you can share with people is going to be, well, or has been, I'm sure, but it's going to continue to be exceptionally valuable for instruction going forward. I think it's super cool that RENPI is going to be a useful thing for teachers and instructors. I can't wait to see where instructions go in the future. Uh, so you said that it's it's going to be available maybe for people to see. Uh, yeah. If, if I get something that works, it'll be out in the, in the wild. Yes, I have been using the make you vacuum forming thing a little more. And that has been super exciting. We've been playing with uh, you know, the potential of using more chucks uh, or more complex chucks that are like in pieces. 
so that we can do more complex shapes that, that will vacuum form and you can still get the pieces out uh, because if you've, your item is too complex, it's tough to get it out past the overhang. Like you can't make a thing that looks like a mushroom and vacuum form it and expect to get that out without it breaking the material that the mold is making up. Um, what was it that you asked? I was wondering about the different uses. I knew that laser cutting is more flexible in some ways if you want to build stuff right. than 3D printing was. And I was wondering where the vacuum forming comes in in terms of what uses you're going to set it to that would be it's better than laser cutting or 3D nice. printing for these things. Right, right, right. So 3D printing is a lot more time consuming. It creates something that is much closer to a finished product. Uh, it is also a lot more detailed than anything else, especially if you get a nice resin 3D printer. It's super exciting. Uh, we don't have a resin 3D printer. I'm not allowed to use my other 3D printer overnight uh, because we had issues with it and they don't want thermal runaway to burn the library down. So I suppose that's understandable. The laser cutter is great if you want something etched on a flat surface or soon around surface because we're about to get our rotary tool so we can do bottles and, and you know, the thermal mugs and that kind of stuff. Uh, or if you want something done on a flat plane and then maybe to a symbol like, hey, it's a box. It used to be a bunch of flat pieces of wood and now it's a box. And that is what laser cutting is great for. It's also one of the fastest things to, to get people started with because the big hang up with 3D printing takes forever. There's not a fast way to do 3D printing yet. There will be, I'm sure, someday. Uh, but vacuum forming is the kind of thing where, hey, I want to uh, create molds. So because it's got the uh, food-safe thermoplastic, you can create chocolate molds out of any kind of strange shape that you might make. Uh, you can certainly uh, do that. And then all of a sudden, hey, you've got cool things to put on a birthday cake for someone. So whatever disreputable item that you would like to be able to pour in and make a chocolate version of, uh, if you wanted to create your own chocolate dog turd sculpture, for example, and then create somebody a cake, preferably not also out of said dog turds, then uh, you, you could do that on this. And uh, we were all looking at the possibility of creating either houses or walls for our uh, terrain and miniatures that we do and a bunch of the gaming and stuff that all of a sudden we can teach a class with kids. And instead of having to spend the better part of a whole session building out buildings, we can, oh, look, here's a little house that you can paint and decorate. And that's, that's the kind of thing is that they each sort of serve a different part. You can make a lot of one-use molds uh, out of vacuum forming, but you can also make some that you can use over and over again if you're not being too hard with them. So like I said, for food or, or whatever it is that you can do. So that's, that's kind of the difference. And, you know, each one has their own lessons to learn. And I've been watching yeah, quite a bit on Adam Savage's tested on how to use it to like make spaceships or that kind of thing. So all kinds of relearning there for stuff that I probably should have thought of before we bought the machine. <laughs> that sounds great. Any, the personalized, you know, chocolate or or that kind of thing edible stuff seems mm -hmm. fantastic i so, yeah so we could use the laser to uh cut out somebody's name um or even etch out somebody's face from a photograph that wouldn't look as good but you could do that you could then vacuum form that 
to make a chocolate mold of their name to put on a cake or to build like candy bars or whatever out of. And then you would be able to have your own personalized candy bar with your name. And so mine would be filled with nuts. Uh, I don't know about yours, but uh, <laughs> it couldn't be a Donald chocolate bar without being completely, completely nuts. So yeah, that's, that's the fun and the excitement. That sounds great. Yeah, I think that that's each one of these tools is super cool in its own way, right? But it's the real power up is when you figure out how to use them all together. And so we've got the cricket vinyl cutter and and things that we're we're also trying to learn how to use. And right now, I hate it. I hate it so bad. Once I figure out how to use it, I'll probably love it. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, and I will say that the videos. So if you're watching videos of how to do laser cutting, how to do the Cricut device or the epilogue or whatever it is, or how to do vacuum forming. It is amazing how different and how they're pointing at completely different groups of people, 3D printing, laser, vacuum forming, or uh, the Cricut. It's like I get whiplash jumping back and forth between the videos because how to use the Cricut is obviously aimed at the you know, the 20, uh, you know, the 28 year old to 45 year old, uh, lady who wants to do it. So they're not much a softer presentation and stuff like that. The laser cutter is written like, well, okay, I'm going to tell you something. I don't really care what the presentation is like or anything because I have a real job laser cutting, but I'm going to make this video. So just like it, I don't care what you think. And just the whole difference between them all is just, it's hilarious, hilarious to see the difference. Yeah, I think that there there could be a whole psychology of how-to videos out mm-hmm. there. Um, I saw a couple on, you know, I do occasional DIY things, right? Cock yes. your bathtub. Here's how to cock your bathtub. There's clearly some people whose purpose in making the video is, is the, that they will tell you how is ancillary. What they really have are grievances that they need to get off their chest about yes. other people doing things wrong. <laughs> those those generally are the best because they don't waste a lot of time, right? <laughs> but it's the people who are like, I'm afraid of a camera. I have a business doing other things. I'm not going to learn how to do the sound right. I'm not going to learn how to get to the point. I'm instead going to stand here and mumble for five or 10 minutes. And then I'm going to show you how to do this one very specific thing in light burn. <laughs> and then I'm going to spend 20 minutes showing you the actual footage. And it's like, Oh, just please don't. <laughs> and but the, I haven't done any of it. And so we're actually talking about creating our own, how to use our laser cutters and how to use our various tech stuff at the library for the library patrons that is like, Hey, so-and-so from the library, watch us do this thing and we'll show you how to do it. We do it. It's professionally managed. The sound is done with a professional sound setup. Uh, and we get done with it. Each video is less than five minutes teaching people how to do it. And hopefully it will be useful to anyone who is not, uh, you know, just trying to follow us because we're personalities, but are instead, you know, actually learning how to do stuff. Yeah, it sounds great. Knock on wood. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So I understand you have been watching something fun. I have. I mean, or delicious. If if you find if you find murder and uh, 
cooking delicious and fun, then this is the one for you. Uh, this is a murder mystery story uh, that I've been following called Recipes for Love and Murder. Mm. Uh, it is a series that's set in South Africa. And yes, you were going to say. Is, it, is this a follow up to like Hannibal? Does it involve lots of cannibalism and, and how to cook the people you kill? Or is it, it a is, little more uh, lighthearted than that? It is. It is mostly much more lighthearted than that. The cooking and the murder are, for the most part, unrelated. (laughs) It's, there's the central figure, the protagonist, is this uh, middle-aged woman. She's from Scotland, but she lives in South Africa. And she uh, has been doing a food cooking column in the local newspaper of some small town in South Africa. She gets pulled off of the recipes column and told she has to do an advice column. And since recipes are what she knows how to do, her advice tends to be, I think that maybe the way to, to win your, your beloved's heart is with this cake recipe. <laughs> the way to make peace with your brother is with this stew recipe. <laughs> and- a dozen chocolate cranberry uh, extreme cookies wouldn't go miss, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's That's delightful. It, yeah, it's hilarious, and of course, it works great because she is a great cook, and she gives good advice through cooking, um, which is kind of charming. And on the side, there's this murder that has happened and is getting investigated by uh, first by a young, plucky investigative journalist who also works with uh, the our protagonist who helps out quite a bit. In- and it and it's a uh, one episode per murder, or you get one murder that goes over the whole... One whole murder got solved over ten episodes, one season. Uh, and it's only... It currently, as far as I know, on... Uh, <laughs> it's one season, and it's the sort of thing that a lot of British type shows have where they laid it all out. There's a lot of uh, detail about characters. You see sort of everybody in the town a little bit. You get a lot of personalities, a lot of interest. Uh, they, a lot of drama about these individuals. And then they solve the murder. And it's sort of uh, maybe that's all there will ever be, or maybe they'll renew it for a second season, in which case there'll be another murder in this town. So if we liked the movie, uh, the series, what was it? Murder in Paradise? Yep. Uh, uh, would, would, that, would this appeal to us then as well? I think it would very much appeal to you. Very similar. Uh, Death in Paradise is procedural and Death more detective, you know, uh, mystery of the, of the week kind of thing. But I think that it would appeal to very much the same sort of people. Uh, it's fundamentally kind of got a lightheartedness to it. Um, which this one also, for the most part, does. Uh, mm-hmm. In a way, this one's more serious. I think maybe not surprisingly, if you stretch it out over 10 episodes, the characters have more depth, uh, have more emotional resonance, are occasionally in anguish for various reasons. So there's that. Um, but I think that if you liked one, you would almost certainly like the other. Well, that's cool. I, I feel a real you know, sort of comradeship with this, uh, this person, because when it comes to dragging your interests into your other jobs, I do that a lot at work. 
It's like, <laughs> hmm. all right, fine. Uh, you're going to make me apply for a grant. It's going to involve games and escape rooms and a new bit of technology I want. It's like, yes, but it's it's about um, the economy and, and, and saving money. I'm like, yep, that's fine. We're still going to have games about uh, saving up money and we're going <laughs> to do, do how to escape a bank vault after you've robbed it. And yeah, so I... I completely approve about the premise and I'll have to check this out. What, what service is it available on? I want to say it is BritBox. I think it's BritBox, but take a, you know, if you do a search on prime, it should pop up and it'll say whether it's straight prime, which it might be, or if it's one of those Britishy ones. I was say, cause if it's on BritBox, then I will have to wait until Amazon or HBO decides to buy all five you know seasons when they get deep into the, to the run. Uh, I've got too many subscription services. Everyone does. So, well, if we're talking about something that we've been watching, I, I have watched the Pennyworth season and they just ended up season three. Are you familiar with Pennyworth? I mean, I'm familiar with Alfred. Right. So Pennyworth is a prequel to Batman uh, and it's pre it's pre Gotham as well. And it is the origins of Batman's Butler, which is sort of selling it short. It is set in an alternative history version of London. The first season's in the 60s. The third season feels like it is sometime into the 70s. But in the first episode, you see people hanging in cages uh, as part of their punishment or what have you. And in short order, someone is set up to be publicly executed and things, things are occurring. So it's a darker... Thing. So if you're not into darkness and you are completely only into the lighter, like Batman 66 stuff, then it may not be for you. And that's fine because we got part of the way through season one and I said, I need a break. This is a little bit much. Then we got back to it, watched the rest of season one after season three, it started completely devoured season two. And I'm like, okay, this is good. Got into season three and I absolutely adore this show. The main character who plays Alfred Pennyworth is delightful. He's amazing. Now he has a widow's peak that you could murder somebody with. It is so sharp <laughs> uh, and deep, uh, but his use of a variety of slings is brilliant. Uh, there is some uh, characters that you will recognize from elsewhere in Batman's run, but no actual villains. I don't think from Batman's run and yeah, so it's sort of, here is the character of Alfred Pennyworth, and here's where he came from, and here's why, if he actually ever does anything competent in the Batman series, you shouldn't be surprised, because the guy was once upon a time a, uh, he was in the catering corps of the uh, uh, of the British Army, which is apparently code for uh, murderous assassins that nobody should know about, because my gosh, he is super good and there's a lot of competence a lot of competence going on even the bad guys are not super incompetent uh, there are but it is it is violent and it's it's neat i like it though uh, so that's it that that is pennyworth the origin of batman's butler fantastic that sounds Check neat it it's three seasons season four ends with a well if it ends here i will understand why but uh, if, if it ends at season three, but if it goes on to season four, then there's still plenty of room for that. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see, to see what happens with it. 
I recommend it if you're looking for something to watch. Also, I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas show. It is stupid. It is fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, it's, Drax. It and sounds Mace. like the Star Wars Christmas special. Ooh, it is not nearly. It's not it, that stupid. Is what you're saying. <laughs> it is well produced. All right, all of the dumbness in this thing felt completely intentional. So, because it's Drax and Mantis going on a quest to do a thing for somebody. And they are the characters who they use as stupid comedy relief. So, um, where Rocket is angry comedy relief, and right. uh, Peter Quill is just awkward comedy relief. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I I recommend it if you're into any of the Marvel stuff. I don't think anything really needs to be say about said about it because it's not terribly deep. The music, the songs in it are fun. I hope they enter rotation for Christmas. Uh, musical stuff for years to come. And uh, yeah, you, you won't go wrong by watching it. If you already have Disney, not necessarily worth getting Disney to watch. Got it. So, Oh, I don't think I'm going to talk about the other stuff I've got on the list. We've gone on for quite a while and it's a holiday week. And um, so if you've got something else, I'm happy to chat about it. Well, I'm going to throw my, you know, you uh, through vacuum forming, in. Yes. I'm going to throw my little bit of craftiness because, uh, you know, not all of us are experts, but it, I wanted to encourage other people who, like me, are not hyper crafty to try this out because this was very much. So, let me tell a little backstory. Um, my son is right about at that age of do I want to wear a costume and go trick or treating, or am I too old for that kind of thing in Halloween? this right and that means he hemmed and hawed about it until fairly late in the game when all of a sudden he decided that he was going to dress up and go trick-or-treating with his friends and that he wanted to dress up like a character from escape from tarkov which is a video game i will not elaborate further because i don't really know much more about it um i think we talked about it on a previous episode but yes ah, and so he had a so he wanted to be this character who wears an Adidas tracksuit and has a helmet that matches the Adidas stripes. It's black and it has three white stripes down the front of his face. Uh, the name of the character is Killa, K-I-L-L-A. Feel free to look up Tarkov Killa and you will see the helmet that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, without the helmet, it wouldn't be a costume. He obviously needs a helmet that looks like that. That, that was my challenge over the weekend right before Halloween. <laughs> nice. And um, I wouldn't have done this except that a friend of mine does some of this sort of cosplay uh, foam construction stuff regularly. And I contacted him and said, is this basically a dumb idea or what? And he said, no, 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 it's fine. He sent me a link to a, a video where Evil Ted, if you have heard of Evil Ted, Evil Ted is a special effects-y sort of person who tells you, gives out patterns and things for making yes. stuff out of foam. And uh, I think he can he sells molds and whatnot. Um, but he showed how to basically make a helmet out of EVA foam. The EVA foam that I got was actually went to the hardware store and got the 
foam rubber that you use for like a garage mat or a gym mat. Uh, if you wanted to have an area in your house where you could do aerobics or something, it would be that kind of mat. It's not very expensive. And you get these giant like two foot squares of it. And then you can carve them up however you want and use some contact cement. I used Weldwood because it's the only one that I could find in person. But apparently on Amazon, you can get barge and barge is the is the industry standard for this sort of thing. Uh, but contact cement, you basically slap on the two edges that you want to fuse together, let it get tacky, squish them together, and it practically fuses into whatever shape you want. And you can go to Evil Ted or probably just think of one yourself and make a pattern for a helmet and uh, kind of cut out the pieces, glue them together, and before you know it, You've got this foam helmet that your kid can go trick or treat in. It was fantastic. I highly recommend trying it. If if this is the sort of thing you've never done before, you can absolutely do it. Go ahead and do it. That's that's really cool. I'm glad you found Evil Ted. He's one of the guys that I I really like on YouTube. Um, there's two other folks that I would recommend. Um, so the Punished Props Academy are very personable, very. Um, They've got plans, I think, as well, and that I, I recommend them also. And they're fun to watch, right? Just like Evil Ted. Is, Ted. Evil Ted's a personality that you should like. And I bought some of his molds from Michael's uh, for either you can pour uh, any kind of stuff in there because they're silicone molds. And I think I've, I'm going to use them with foam clay. Um, but SKS makes... Uh, cosplay quality foam. The stuff that you mentioned is great and the industry used it forever. And the back of it, if you want something to look like it's carbon fiber, whatever, then it's already got that cool grippy texture on it. Um, and the top usually has like a diamond plate. And that is super neat. Plus you have all the ones you didn't use. If you bought a pack, they come like packs of 12 sometimes. You've yeah. got the rest that you can throw down on your garage floor, which makes it... Um, I think ideal, especially for starting crafters, but you can get uh, from Michael's now carries cosplay supply or stuff like that. A variety of thicknesses of different kinds of foams that are less likely to have little gaps or holes or open cells or whatever on it. Um, but yeah, you, you found one of the best, I think to, to start with. Um, I want to actually use, did you get, you did everything with the, the sheets, just the sheet stuff, right? Uh, I used the sheets for the actual main part of the helmet, and then the helmet has a little mask in front. Yep. And my wife had gotten some foam, uh, the thinner stuff, two millimeter ah. or whatever, um, that was a that was sort of more flexible, and used that for the top plate, if you will, of this helmet. Yeah, the old style crafting foam that you would see teachers have in in schools and you, you know, get like, Hey, look, I brought, made a Turkey out of foam that you exactly would bring like home that, or what have yeah. you. Uh, works great. It's amazing. Cosplay or costume making or prop making or anything is amazing because you can make amazing looking stuff out of absolute trash. Right. I mean, you can say, I'm going to do this out of cardboard or, you know, out of floor tiles or out of whatever, or you can invest and get, oh, I'm going to get myself a special fancy knife that is going to do this a lot easier. Or I'm going to get a hot wire cutter, or I'm going to get whatever it is. And you could invest way too much money in that. So, say I, 
who have not actually done a whole lot of cosplay stuff, but I've watched a lot of these stupid videos. Right. I, it, if I had a garage, the garage could get full of things really, really fast. <laughs> Absolutely. Though, if you do end up coming down for Shushcon, we should uh, we should plan on making stuff for cosplay. You know, because now that you've got the foam, we have no excuse not to make a thing. <laughs> so. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, go and check out evil Ted's. We'll put a link to that channel and maybe a couple of other channels for folks who want to do it. If you have a picture of your son's helmet that you would like for us to put, uh, in the show notes, shoot that over to me and we'll do that. I will, because I'm, I'm unreasonably proud of it. I know it's not gorgeous, but I was like, you know, I, I, it is neat having a sense of accomplishment over creating a thing when you are, you have no initial experience in that kind of thing. <laughs> I get that all the time. Like when I first decided, okay, I'm going to learn how to make a web page back in the 1900s, uh, and I'm going to make it. And by the end of the weekend, I'd created my own first web page and it convinced my boss I knew what I was doing and then could do that for Iron Crown Enterprises. So much. And then if I look back at how bad that first web page was, it's so sad. But the second one I built was better. And the third one was better. And the same thing with, with you know, building stuff is, well, he's in a first-person shooter. This um, What's the name of this character that you've got? Killa. Killa, yeah. And so his helmet needs to look a little beat up, right? It needs to look a little rough. All that adds to that character right there. Um, yep. And so just the fact you got it built in a weekend is a gold star achievement, sir. Gold star. Thanks. Yeah. Like, it definitely – and, you know, I, I – I just want to recommend to people because it was very much the sort of thing that if I didn't have somebody say, no, just do it. You can absolutely do it. I would, I would have backed out somewhere along the line. I was, I was coming up with reasons to, you know, downgrade my son's expectations until Mm -hmm. you just start doing it. And you're like, you know what? This is going to be achievable. Is it going to be gorgeous? No, but I would not have thought that this was possible in 48 hours and voila. So bare minimum, what you need for this particular project is some of the sheets of the flooring, a reasonably sharp knife, some glue, and then some primer and paint maybe. That's yep. And then you're pretty good to go. It will be better if you've got a head form that's the right size. So since you had your son there, you could say, come here, let's see if this fits. Um, The first hats we made, uh, Connie's was too small and it's a beautiful, amazing witch hat that I don't think we've found a person who can comfortably wear it. Um, (laughs) Looks great. It's a wonderful centerpiece for a table, uh, not as effective as a hat. Um, But yeah, so you can jump right in it and pick a fast project. That might be fun. We could do a whole episode on, you know, let's start a new craft. That would be fun. Yeah. And and I want to sort of corroborate something you said, which was, I think that um, as an outsider, your presumption is if it's something that I did in grade school, like if it's foam, that is exactly what I would make a turkey out of when I was in third grade. It's not going to produce greatness because it produced ugly turkeys in third grade. But that's not true. It can produce greatness. You just weren't that with it when you were in third grade. (laughs) So you know what what I'm going to try is that same foam you can make chain mail out of it that looks like real chain mail Ooh. and 
it'll be super light and not kill my back. Now you don't make it a link at a time like you do to a normal one, but you instead make basically a row of wavy that interlaces with the next row of wavy that interlaces with the next next row, and they all look like when you put them together like it's actual chain mail. And since I've got a laser cutter at home or at work <laughs> rather, uh, I'm absolutely going to find the right kind of foam that won't kill me when I laser cut it. <laughs> and, and I got the impression that the EVA is a lot nicer than some other things. Right. On the other hand, uh, the weldwood, the contact cement, uh, ventilation, really good idea. That stuff stinks to high heaven. Yeah. And I would say even a fume filter mask is probably not a bad idea, but I guess if you have got a fans blowing away from you to the outside, then maybe you're okay. Yeah. Follow the instructions. That's what I'm saying. Right. Um, okay. Well, that's exciting. That was a that was a good wrap up there, and especially since people are going to be wanting to make their own Christmas stockings or their own Santa Claus outfits or their own Grinch outfits. That's a great way to wrap up, Bob. So, excellent. Uh, where can people find you? One quick time. Uh, you can find me at tabletop.social. But little hype for old curmudgeonly people. Uh, Facebook is still a cool place. The number of of things I got showing me the scene of WKRP in Cincinnati for Thanksgiving was totally worth it. You should consider checking out Facebook. I'm Bob Wyman there. Yeah. I mean, I was, wasn't going to point them at your Facebook, but yes, we do have an inverse genius group and stop by there. And Bob occasionally wanders by to click uh, laughing at dumb things I've said. So hooray. Donald's hilarious. Check him out on Facebook. I'm, I'm much funnier on Facebook than I am in real life. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, thank you very much for listening to us. I hope that you have had a wonderful fall festival whenever that actually occurred. Uh, that uh, Thank you for uh, sticking with us for all these many years. For those who don't know, we just hit episode 500 over on Onboard Games. You can hear that we are doing two episodes, I think, of people talking about just what the last... Uh, many years in gaming has sort of done to for or with them since 2007 uh, over on the onboard games podcast. So go check that out. Anyway, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Bob Wyman. And you've been listening to the, uh, no, that's the wrong <laughs> show. No. Uh, Episode thank you for 501 right here. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening to the inverse genius fortnightly. Uh, go watch us at inversegenius.com or find us on Facebook. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.